A happy marriage is a long conversation which always seems too short. Welcome back to Midnight O2 Season Three, Episode Ten. This is your host Amy. Today I'll be doing a short movie review on this movie that I just watched. The title is called "Love, Weddings, and Other Disasters." It's a movie in 2020, which is relatively new. It's a movie revolving stories around a caterer, a blind woman, a tour bus guide, and this new wedding planner. They're both all searching for love, pretty much. This was released back in December 4th, 2020, directed by Dennis Dugan, and the cast included Maggie Grace, Diane Keaton, and Jeremy Irons. I thought the characters were really charming, but there was just a lot that I wanted to say about this movie. If you have not yet watched this movie, just pause right here and come back after you watch it. <laughs> okay, so I I think this is a movie for people who just want something that's. Easy to watch and easy to enjoy. This is not a movie that I want to spend twenty dollars going to a theater to watch it or something. I feel bad saying this, but this movie does have some charming lines in it. But I wouldn't say it's a movie that I would want to rewatch. This is the type of movie that you probably later on will be fine watching it on HBO or something like five years later, ten years later. And you'll probably be like, okay, I watch it, and that's it, and I don't think much of it. I didn't get much out of the movie. That's how I feel. So when I saw the title "Love Weddings and Other Disaster," I was just thinking, like, what was, what were they thinking? How I think a title for a movie or anything is so important, but they revealed everything in the title. I don't get why they just put the title "Love Weddings and Other Disasters." Okay, we get the love. Do we? We see how there's a wedding planner in it, okay, and there's the disasters, okay. There are disasters everywhere, but we're not really connected to the characters in the movie. That's the problem of this entire film. And I was watching it, and I was thinking, this doesn't make sense. This line was out of character. This line wasn't something that this person would have said based on the character setting revolving around this person. And one example would be, we got this guy running for a mayor. And he was talking about love to this local tour guide. I got the feeling that the movie director tried to put everyone together in the latter part of the movie, of course, to make a great ending and to prepare for it. But those, the two guys, they were on the duck boat in front of the church when he was running late. The mayor was running late for his own wedding, yet he was worrying for this random guy he just met, and he. Pretty much used him for his campaign, but this is what the mayor said to the local tour guy. He was like, "Oh, you should go for crazy love. Is always crazy." And I just stared at my screen. I was like, "What am I watching? Why is this guy talking to this guy like this?" And you know, we have this film angle focusing on the captain of the tour guide. And people were blurred in the background. They were celebrating, and you you're supposed to feel bad for this man. You're supposed to connect emotionally with all the characters in the in the movie, but you don't get that as an audience. You're always your feelings and how you could relate. The levels are always cut off from one story to the other. And at first, I thought I liked how they use a singer 
in the park jamming the guitar and singing to connect story to story. I thought at first that was beautiful, but as the story went on, everything was kind of forcefully mixed together. We could never really feel and connect with one characters on like a deeper level. And I thought that wasted all the characters, the actors, the actresses' charm in the movie. But I'm glad they chose the right actors and actresses to play the roles because it would have been very different. If I said there was one thing I liked about this movie, then it's definitely the actors and actresses. Without those acting, I don't think I could get emotionally involved or invested in this movie plotline. Okay, moving on. So the most interesting couple, in my opinion, in the storyline is Diane Keaton as Sarah and Jeremy Irons as Lawrence Phillips. Phillips, as the famous caterer, was always dressing formal, organizing, and strict to rules. And the way he took out the measurement bar at the wedding venue already tells audiences what kind of character he is. So you'll see that oh, the way he talks to employees and the way he's moving his hands and gestures at the wedding venue it just showed a lot. And he could be seen as a boring, arrogant individual from the way. He treats and he talks, and how he worked with the new wedding planner. And then this man was introduced to Sarah, a fun, bubbly character on a blind date. And by blind date, Sarah is visually impaired. I thought the setting was interesting, cool. I get it. It's a romantic, supposed to bring laughters movie. And I thought the movie would wrap around with the ideas how important things cannot be seen. This kind of cliche, overly used expression on love. Yet we don't get much of storytelling on that. We see Sarah keeps tripping and falling to the point I thought it was inappropriate. And I'm not sure if this character setting well represented people with visual disability. And we have Phillips go out of character after they spend the night together, leaving. A written note under Sarah's pillow. So Phillips is someone who's detail-oriented, and it's out of character for him to write a note to Sarah, who obviously couldn't read. And it was unthoughtful for Phillips to have moved the furniture at Sarah's house without her permission. You know, Phillips is someone who wouldn't let the wedding planner to move the centerpiece from the venue, and now he's moving someone else's. Okay, we get it. At the same time, we don't. And when Sarah falls, audience were supposed to feel something, but this happened again and again. And as an audience, you just wonder why, why, and left confused and questioned on what we're supposed to get out of this scene and why she keeps doing that in the movie. Well, there are cute parts in between Sarah and Phillips. That's why I like them the most out of all the couples here. The park scene was cute, and the conversation chemistry between the two were amazing. The conversation and how Sarah could be playful to lead the relationship was wonderful, and the part when Phillips went to her house and got her a blindfold as a gift was romantic and made sense in a movie like this. As expected, they went on a date in which Phillips blindfolded himself and he said he wanted to see what she sees, and that was cute and lovely in my opinion. Here comes to my least favorite couple from the movie. I don't get it. I don't. I really don't. What's with the cringy TV show putting men and women together, making them physically chained together to compete for that one million dollars? We get this. We have this mayor's biological brother and the stripper who pretended to be a lawyer at first. We have them together. We also have this mafia involved, and I don't get how it's supposed to be funny. Nothing makes sense. The show itself and the movie. 
the one that's put on the TV in the movie itself is sexist and inappropriate on so many different levels. The setting about the woman pretending to have a different career and the candidate's brother being broke. I was just having questions everywhere. How does that work? It's out of nowhere, and I wish the movie would have just focused on the conversation between Sarah and Phillips instead of these two cringy infant-like adults. Then. We have the wedding trasher named Jesse, who physically crashed into the wedding in the first scene of this movie, during a parachute jump with her ex-boyfriend. The entire time, I was wondering why the ex-boyfriend agreed to get on the plane with her in the first place, and I had to slap myself, thinking, "Amy, this is a movie. Let's leave the logic behind. Just watch. Just chill." And of course, we get this rock and roll band guy named. Mac attracted to Jesse. Okay, this guitar guy has some issues with his band. The friends seem to have started another band with a new girl Yanni. He got, and we never heard from them again in the movie because the director had no idea how to resolve this. And oh my, the wedding scene focused on the dancing and singing between Mac and Jesse at the latter part. But please, camera angle. The microphone was everywhere at different height level. The transition and the camera cut every time the microphone was placed differently. Mac wasn't singing into the mic either when he was supposed to, and it bothered me. And of course, our local tour captain would have found his girl at the final dinner party. It was just cringy for me how he always brought that small Cinderella shoe model with him. Like, okay, I get this is a romantic movie, but love at first sight. And his true love happened to be the waitress at the final wedding party, made everything seem so forceful. However, I do like how their last conversation was muted. I didn't need to hear what he had to say to her. And the ending scene included how the chanted couple got one million dollars as the winner. But those extra seconds in the movie wasted some of my energy. I'd rather see Sarah and Phillips or Mac and Jesse actually moving to a better place in the relationship. Overall, if I were to talk about it, I feel confused and I didn't know what to reflect on. Everything was expected within expectations. It's too ideal, and the disasters in the movie do not leave impacts. The most memorable part was probably Sarah and Phillips together at a park when Sarah went on talking about how she took photos and she would have her friend describing each frame to her. That conversation was neat and artistic, and I wish it had gone deeper and more in the movie to reach a full circle. When I thought about which parts were memorable, I remember there was the scene. When Phillips and Sarah were at Sarah's apartment and they were talking about the photography on Sarah's wall, and that was beautiful in the movie as well. So, in general, overall, finally, I would give this movie a five point seven out of ten. If you have nothing to do or don't want to think, then this is the right movie for you. I still wouldn't pay too much to watch this or rent this again, but here it is: love, wedding, and the other disasters for you. Movie review. Okay, before we close for today, I like to read some interesting facts about this movie. So I saw this on IMDb.com. There are different facts about this movie. 
The film was inspired by director Dennis Dugan's wife, who had asked him to write a wedding movie, and he had begun writing the film as an ode to his wife 15 years ago. Coincidentally, it was during a family trip to London where his wife and kids had ended up meeting Jeremy Irons, who would later star in the movie all those years later. That was cool. That was cool to know. And another fun fact: this film was shot in 26 days. Cool. This one, and there's another one. The film was shot in October in Boston during the wedding treasure scene. Maggie Grace had a skydiving expert doing the fancy shots, while she had done the parachuting scene on wire rigs, in which she had previous experience with. That was cool. I thought that was pretty funny as a start starter of the movie. And let's see. Yeah, this was the first team up of Academy Award winners Diane Keaton and Jeremy Irons, which. Were my favorite characters in this movie, Sarah and Phillips. That was cool. That was cool. And Andrew Bachelor, which is the tour guide guy, he had improvised the dialogue in a park scene with a hundred women with the glass slipper tattoos. That was cool. So this was a scene on how the local tour guy was looking for his Cinderella at this park, and there were hundreds of women lining up to show his tattoo. And he didn't find the one at the scene, so just an intro. I thought that was interesting in how it tied up with the wedding later on. But this is a movie for you if you want to go watch it. And always feel free to message me or email me on what you think of my podcast or this episodes. Or if you like more episodes on movie reviews, let me know. I don't do movie reviews that often. But when I watch something interesting and I have things that I want to say that are organized, then I would record. So like today, I hope you enjoyed it. So if you like this episode and would like to support Midnight O2, please consider leaving a five star review for me on App Store. This will bring my show and my work to more people. And you could consider buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com. My username is A E I M E E, and I'm looking forward to receiving your messages. As always, and before I close, I'd like to read you a quote related to wedding. A happy marriage is a long conversation which always seems too short. Hopefully, I'll be able to relate with it. I'll be talking to you about it in thirty, forty years. Hopefully, we'll see. And leaving that to you. This is your host, Amy. Good night. <laughs>